bitch. Ah, you know what old Jack Burton always says at a time like this? When you have to shoot, shoot, don't talk. Bitch, the Chicago. Hello everyone, what is up? It is me, Ewan, and welcome to a fresh edition of the We Love Dad Movies podcast. Today we're going to be talking about The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, a movie that people may not consider to be a dad movie, but it kind of is for me, which I'll get into anecdotally later on. But anyway, today I'm joined by Xander Gordon. I like this movie. Yeah, I like I it too. Fi- I think it's perfectly adequate and fine. Yeah, never really got the hate, you know? I feel bad for everyone in this movie. Even to Sean, who didn't like it afterwards, but shouldn't have felt bad about it, to be honest. We should establish the part of the reason why we're doing this episode is uh, when we were recently on holiday in Arran, in Scotland, we were getting ready to go out for our meal that evening, and we were like, oh, let's put on Channel uh, Film 4 on the the old free uh, hotel TV. And this movie was on because, of course, you know, that's the dad movie energy is having, you know, this movie come on like super late at night. And uh, we watched about half an hour of it, I'd say. And you were talking about, you know, how, how you and your dad watched it quite frequently growing up. And uh, I had known about the infamous infamy of this movie and how bad it was meant to be. And of what we were watching of it just then, I was like, this is perfectly fine. This is perfectly <laughs> adequate. I don't understand. And now we, we have watched it in full. And I, uh, even though I would agree there are parts that are, that are quite bad about this movie, I don't think it's nearly as dire as people have made yeah. it out to be, mythologically speaking. And- this movie, it ended careers. Like, yeah, it's a t- two. Sean Connery retired from act from doing live action acting after this movie. You know, to be fair, he was what in his seventies when this came out. So you know, due to due to his retirement. Um, but Stephen Norrington, who you may not know, uh, previously directed Blade, the original Blade. Um, yeah, he he hasn't worked on a movie since this came out, and neither is the screenwriter James Dale Robinson. Um, and I've got to, I've got to do a big caveat here. Uh, I have not read the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen novel, uh, graphic novels by Alan Moore and Kevin O'Neill, um, which is weird because they kind of they should be right up my alley. You know, I love Moore. I love I love the public domain Avengers concept. I think that's pretty cool. Um, and given that I liked what sh- what everyone thinks is a trash fiber movie, I should really enjoy the comic as well. But I've just never gotten around to it. Um, but my opening salvo here is: if everyone else gets to have Van Helsing. <laughs> and the 2005 Constantine movie, then then I get to have you deserve this. The League of Extraordinary and Gentlemen, I, and I, you know me, I adore Van Helsing. It's one of my favorite guilty <laughs> pleasure movies, and it's very similar to to this. That you know they share characters as well, but um, yeah, I, I I don't I don't, but I I do, but I don't get the hate behind this movie, and I think literally it is because of the the legend that is it, it ending Sean Connery's acting career because he was like the behind the scenes was meant to be notoriously really bad. He was like, yeah, just maybe reconsider show business and I didn't want any more anything more to do with it. And it's like, oof, damn. But, but, like... but the movie made a shit ton of bad. It did, it, it did. It competed with Black Pearl at the box office and then did really well in in home video sales. And that's kind of how me and my dad discovered it. You know, he he was a huge Sean Connery fan. Um, and this is, this I, I maintain that this movie is a great PG-13 gateway into... Connery's movies. Obviously, I think, you know, kids can watch the original James Bonds, which is what I did before I, you know, well, to, to get to know Sean Connery and occasionally saw him, I saw him in The Longest Day. He has a brief cameo in that as a, as a soldier on, on, on D-Day. Um, but this is a great PG-13 in, introduction to 
um, latter-day Sean Connery. It's a great time, and even though by all accounts he's he said that well he said that he was miserable filming this, and then it was a, it was a terrible production and whatever. And it sounds like he had a lot of beef with Norrington as well. Um, I think he's good in this. I, I think, think he's a, a, I think he's a really fun performance in this. Yeah, yeah. So we'll go into the premise for for those who don't know what the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen is about. Um, it's based on the <laughs> based based very very yeah. loosely. <laughs> you know, poor Alan Moore. He had this and From Hell back to back. Well, I don't blame him. This was the movie that made Alan Moore go. I don't want my name on any other yeah. my property movies as well. Yeah. So three careers kind of yeah, severely totally. impacted by this movie. Um, but you know, it's it's set at the turn. Well, just before the the big beginning of the 20th century uh, and picks up with um the, there is a terrorist on the scenes called <laughs> the phantom the phantom quite operatic um and uh he is basically uh he it's kind of got like a steampunk vibe he has pioneered all these modern weapons that would come to the fore in in, in europe in the first and second world wars you know stuff like tanks machine guns body bombs. armor bombs you know he's um <laughs> tow missiles you know he's got them all and and he's basically sowing discord throughout europe um during you know the pre-world war one period where if you didn't know all of the empires at the time really hated each other it does bring us the really incredible uh, cg newspaper <sighs> shots including one that says it not, wasn't us not us says germany <laughs> yeah. but it has you know the, the movie opens really great and i'm not gonna i'm not gonna say that it's got as cool of an opening title card as Master and Commander, where it's like the year is eighteen oh five, oceans mm-hmm. and battlefields. I really like the you know the little intro it gives you, where it, I think it sets the stage really well. Where it's like you know um, eighteen London eighteen ninety nine, you know empires are like Europe maintains a fragile peace and the weapons of blah 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 blah. You know it's it's a good opening, and then we get to see like a tank come out. Uh, and then, you know, we, we cut to Kenya, where we first meet Alan Bloody Quatermain. Um, and, you know, he, he's chilling in Kenya. And basically, you know, it, they assemble the public domain Avengers. You have you have Alan Quatermain. You have Mina Harker, um, who was, um, together with the Hex Girls, I'm going to say, you know, it awakened something in me as a, as a child. She is incredibly sexy in this it's movie. It's kind of ridiculous. And we also have Dorian Gray... Uh, we have the Invisible Man, and we have the 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 ever underrated Jason Fleming as Doctor Jekyll, and the we're going to get into Mister Hyde as well, I'm sure, because he's really fun in this movie. And then um, we also have the Captain of the Nautilus, Nemo, uh, and and his trusty right hand man Ishmael, um, <laughs> and you know he's kind of like this awesome legendary pirate who is an inventor, an expert adventurer, um, and. Each person in this movie brings something fun to it, whether that is, you know, the typical kind of, like, cheeky cockney invisible man, or the slimy, sophisticated Dorian, or, you know, the um, the femme fatale that, that is Mina, and they're all really fun in it. The, the, one, the one weak link, and, you know, this is the obligatory American character that they had to introduce, uh, the producers told them to introduce, um, Tom Sawyer, who is now a, a secret agent for the US Secret Service. And, yeah, and yeah. He, he, offer, he offers nothing interesting. He, um, it feels like before, because obviously, what, Attack of the Clones came out a year before this movie, he feels like... They couldn't get Hayden Christensen. They were like, get us the next Hayden Christensen. Honestly, it kind of would have slapped if they'd got Hayden Christensen in this yeah. movie, to be fair. Yeah. And to be fair, I, I, I enjoy the, 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 you know, the 
surrogate father-son relationship mm-hmm. they develop with Quartermain here. You know, Sean Connery, even if he himself is like, I hated working on this movie, you know, he he's enjoyable. And mm-hmm. I feel like he does his best with a limited script. Um, because the script does have some clangers in it. You know, even though I like this movie, it's not <laughs> it's not particularly well written in places. But what it lacks in that it merely makes it makes up for in style and and stuff like production design um the visuals even though we do get some janky cg later on and that was because they actually had trouble with their cg production company i learned i learned this the other day um you know overall it's it's quite a slick movie and it looks great and it has a great unique aesthetic i said in my letterbox review that it's a great entry in the big gu- big coats and guns genre mm. you know it's not it's not you know tombstone is at the peak of yeah. that um you know it's not it's not on tomb tombstone level mm-hmm. but it's a, it's a good vibe you get to see sean connery blasting dudes with a winchester and a big leather coat and, and that's that's fun yeah the, the sets are, are quite impressive um you know the fight scenes when they're not edited to shit are <laughs> like fun um someone on letterbox made the joke that sean connery stundable is in the movie more than him and honestly that can might actually mm. be be quite a true assessment um but it is a very character performancey movie and and as as we've said even though sean connery supposedly hated working on this movie i think he has some great moments in here uh, like when he's talking to tom sawyer and, and he's trying to teach him how to shoot properly and he goes i already know how to shoot and he's it's like it's very american shoot everything in sight until you hit the target <laughs> like it's, it's such... i'm talking about Pipping the bull at 900 yards. It's got some great Connery moments in there. And there's a lot of great character performances. Um, you know, uh, Rodney Skinner, the Invisible Man, played by uh, Tony Curran. I think he's a lot of fun. And the oh, CG freezing pe- me nuts off. <laughs> His CG actually holds up pretty well still for the... And, like, the cool effects they do where he's, like, putting paint on his face. You can, like, actually see him walk around um mina um so hot just the way she delivers all her lines like oh it's magnesium we we wouldn't want to get blood oh it's it's (laughs) it's such a mood and like every outfit she wears in this movie as well is ridiculous how hot she is in this film i don't want this to turn into the simp cast but it will (laughs) because she's very beautiful and um i think it's annoying as well because reading up about this and again i haven't read the actual comics you know she's she's the leader in the comics that Mm. i read and you know by all accounts it seems as if she was kind of marginalized she's not a vampire in the comic either i didn't know that well that's interesting i am I think it. I think it's fun going down that route because it opens up some interesting, you know, implications from the, the Dracula novel and stuff and how that ended. You know, is there in this reality? Did she maybe <laughs> kill uh, Jonathan? You know, and that's mm-hmm. that's the guilt that she carries with her. I have no idea, but she's been shacking up with Dorian Gray, so clearly she's not been up to too, too much good. Yeah, I, I've seen some reviews absolutely slating uh, Dorian, uh, the guy who plays him, as Stuart Townsend. He's such a fun time, He's though. such a slimy little bastard. <laughs> and like, you kind of see it coming when he does eventually betray them. But it's just like a nice, charismatic, slimy villain performance. And even he gets some fun lines in there. There's one where um, they're in Venice trying to stop these bombs going off. And he goes, <laughs> I'm immortal, not a gazelle. <laughs> it's, it's a great read. Also, like... The, the the way he just loves dunking on on uh, Mr. Hart, uh, on sorry Dr. Jekyll he's like <laughs> I won't let the beast take me he's like well what good are you oh, <laughs> it's he's... just so he's ooh, he, he's such a sniveling little shit he's really good I in think this. both of us would agree that the best performance in the movie is Jason Fleming as Jekyll and Hyde I he, I I'm a big proponent of the Jason Fleming is underrated kind of you know um 
if there is a fan club out there for him, I'm definitely one of them. And I think, you know, again, reading up about this movie, uh, I think Connery got a salary of like $17 million or something, and that left them unable to attract other big names to the cast. Mm -hmm. And you look at Fleming's performance in this, and, you know, it's hard not to compare it to Master and Commander, which came out the same year. You know, he does kind of have a bit of a Paul Bettany vibe to him. Mm. Um, But I feel like he does does really well in this. Um, It's fun. And again, to make the Van Helsing comparison, obviously he had a CG... Um, uh, Hyde oh, this movie's Hyde's about. way better. Yeah, they actually use a, a physical suit uh, for Hyde. They have different versions of the suit when he's transforming, where they like cut back and forth between him changing into it, which is quite a fun thing to do. And he's very rarely in CG. The only time he is is at the very end when he's fighting what basically looks like the experiment from Batman Arkham Asylum. <laughs> when meets, this guy... <laughs> meets Scrappy-Doo from Scooby-Doo, yes, the live-action movie. absolutely, where he let this other uh, evil guy like drinks his, his, his potion. Not the whole thing yeah it's, it's such a fun performance like i really like the way they display his internal dialogue with like the reflections and oh, mirrors so and good. windows when they're talking to each other and when they kind of find a resolution near the end where they're hyping each other up and kind of uh working in tandem really yeah um it, it's a really fun like little character p- performance um there's, i feel like it's full of nice little character moments are all of them fully developed and would i have liked to see more of them yes nemos is a guy who i feel is quite an intriguing character and I know he's played by quite a famous Indian actor um, uh, Nasir Rudin Shah um, but I feel like he's not given too much to do other than kind of be kind of the straight man throughout the, yeah. the, the team he's got some cool like action sequences he does and can we talk about the, the coolest action sequence in this movie which is when they go to find Dorian in the library uh, yeah. there is a super so after um, Alan gets uh, recruited by uh, Her Majesty's uh, government or who he thinks is her majesty's government mm-hmm. um and he meets the other league members for the first time including mina skinner um and i think it's just and and and, and nemo um they go to recruit um dorian gray <laughs> and yeah they they go into his decrepit old house he points out the painting on the wall that is obviously or the not lack there. of painting the lack the of the painting um and they basically get ambushed inside dorian's library um and you know it's not quite like matrix levels of you know concrete flying everywhere and you know keanu reeves and carrie ann moss doing cool shit all over the place um but we do get lots of bullets shredding books everywhere and and pages are flying nemo's cutting dudes dorian's cutting dudes Sean Connery is like blasting people away and you've got the entrance of Tom Sawyer as well. Um, but it's just a really, really fun sequence and it, it culminates with Dorian um, getting blasted away um, by the um, by one of the goons. And then <laughs> you see the, the shirt come off and the bullets and it's all just dust and stuff. And it also has that really good moment where uh, Mina is talking to... to well, it's that, that three-way conversation between Mina, Alan and Dorian and Mina's like, ah, Dorian, the eager young Eton schoolboy, and Alan Quatermain, the, the lecturer. And he's like, actually, it was I who was the schoolboy, and Gray who was the lecturer. And it's and like, like, oh! <laughs> and I love that. I feel like, you know, <laughs> the movie isn't great, but it has lots of really fun moments. And like, you know, I've, I've been rambling for a little bit while, I don't, I don't know this, um, but I have so many fond memories of watching this um, when it came out, because like, you know, 
movie nights and my dad order in some i know it's not the the the, the pinnacle of like pizza um but getting in like a papa john's and having like some ribs and pizza and watching this like um on like a friday night no, or whatever. we didn't that... have that last night when we were watching this Come no on. no well papa john's doesn't do the ribs anymore oh. the ribs back in the day were great anyone who can vouch for the papa john's in warrington that <laughs> that, <laughs> did, that did the, 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 the barbecue ribs in like the early 2000s you know people can attest to that um but we we enjoyed it and you know it, it's one of those where it's it you know even though i was familiar at the time with young sean connery this is the thing that introduced me to old sean connery and then obviously you know as i got older watched stuff like the untouchables and highlander and you know like getting to getting to see him do cool stuff at, at a later age and I, I i was completely oblivious to any of the critical backlash because why would i be at the age of seven um and i just I, it, it perplexed me when i got older and it was like yeah hated movie i was like but the movie was great <laughs> it's, it's it's perfectly fine yeah like i it's so middle of the road like it, it's got yes some very bad weird bits and like the villain motivation plot line is so Mar- fucking weird yeah. <laughs> so for people who have no interest in watching this movie um so the villain at the beginning is the phantom which is kind of like a take on the phantom of the opera almost and his whole plan is to set europe ablaze so he can sell them his advanced weapons and then it, the plot turns into him wanting to rule the planet with his own special army, but he's still going to sell the secrets to the other to European the other, nations. To the other countries so they um, can fight amongst each other. But the whole twist is that um, the Phantom is actually M, who is the guy who recruited them all. And you think, you know, going into this, especially with Connery's presence, that a guy with the name of M would be like M from the James Bond movies. But it's actually short for Moriarty! Well, a double reveal! Yeah. <laughs> he's been basically um, getting Dorian to steal all the League's uh, sexy, sexy, sexy DNA. Sexy powers through blood, skin, and formulas. Yes, um, to to sell them and make his own army of vampiric assassins and hide super soldiers and you know uh, invisible men, spies, and stuff. Um, so yeah, the, the the league itself is a real to be a ruse, and they have to go after. Moriarty. Because um, it who, made total sense to bring do, them all together into one place. Do you notice the, the weird accent shift he goes through at the he end? He does, he, he kind of goes a bit more British near the end. Well, he was always... He was always. Yeah, he went from, like, posh... Yeah, he went from British received pronunciation. I'm James Moriarty, yeah, and yeah. I fell off a waterfall with Sherlock Holmes. Yeah, like. I mean, I guess Sherlock's dead in this in this one. Well, yeah. Maybe, you know. Maybe. Moriarty died at Reichenbach Falls. <laughs> it's like, okay, we've read the book. <laughs> it's, it, it's very... Uh, it, it is kind of like... Like a, oh, I guess we need a cooler villain in this. Oh, I guess we have... The Phantom is just, like, Eastern European Rasputin stereotype. Yeah, it, it's, <laughs> honestly, if they'd gone full Eric from actual Phantom of the Opera and made a little incel, I'd kind of be into it. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, there's not... I feel like almost you'd want James Moriarty to be a just full-on villain from the start, you know what I mean? Just making it much more uh, of a thing. And I know the actor who, who played him, the only other role I've seen him in is as the Duke in Moulin Rouge, where he also also plays a kind of mediocre villain. Richard um, Roxburgh. So is a I, great I can't necessarily uh, talk much of, of, about his career as a whole, but um, it's just very, it's very odd. It, you know, why did they have to go out of their way to recruit Dorian if Dorian was going to be on board the entire time? Why did they then try and kill them all in the library when Dorian to, was to there? keep up the ruse? You I know, suppose, it's got to keep up the deflection stuff. Really, the best plan here would have been for Dorian to have sex with all the league and then get the DNA that that's way. Because tr- I think true. he was that way inclined. Yeah, he he, do, he does it with Mina. He mm. he's oh how clumsy! We wouldn't of want me. to get blood. 
everywhere, whispering. Yeah, and uh, he's also secretly planted bombs around um, the, the Nautilus. Nautilus, which somehow you doubt the Nautilus, which somehow Nemo's crew didn't notice. Oh, there's a suspicious the looking suitcase that's suitcase ticking there. Suitcase bombs around the entire submarine. Um, yeah, it's very nonsensical. They go to, I believe, like. Siberia, or Mongolia, Mongolia. Yeah. That's it. Where they come to a very CG castle fortress that's full of the giant pots from Elden Ring, <laughs> um, pouring lava into stuff. They've kidnapped all these scientists to like work on these formulas to then sell to the highest bidder to incite this world war. Um, it's all a little bit convoluted, but also very, very silly. They tell it in this like flashback that's in black and white, played through like an old record player. It's so weird. He's like, you may be wondering why I'm monologuing. It's because there's a high-pitched squeal at the back of this yeah. to set off the bombs. Yeah. And it, it's it's so weird and, and convoluted. And it, it just really brings the movie down. Not to the point where people are saying this is absolute dog Honestly, shit. I don't I it's think... It's just a bad villain movie plot line. Anyone saying that this is, like, one of the most abject movies they've ever seen, like, I can maybe get it if you have emotional attachment um to to the works of more like um you know but i've seen watchmen watchmen is a very crappy movie but it's not one of the worst movies i've ever seen mm-hmm. i love the original watchmen comic and um, same goes for like the 2005 constantine movie like um i love constantine the character and you know i think any constantine movie that separates that unique British political context. Um, it's kind of like Batman for me when you remove the pulp noir elements. It's still Batman, but it's not, you know, it's not authentic Batman. Mm-hmm. Uh, and But I can still look at the Constantine movie from 2005 and go, it's a fun time. It's not Constantine, but it's yeah, still fun. And remove, it's the same thing with this. Yeah, you remove the Scouse identity from Constantine, you kind of remove a lot of the... Yeah, exactly. What, what makes him I, unique. And it, I can imagine that, like, you know, there, there was... <laughs> I'm, in fact, I don't even have to imagine. I know for a fact that this movie does not have any of the level of craft or intrigue or depth that the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen comics will have because, you know, more is incredible. Um, but at the same time, you know, I feel like given in the early 2000s we had so many of these post mummy movies and i will put this in the in the context of mm. of the mummy 1999 you know in terms of getting a pulp adventure sci-fi horror movie that mm. has like you know different elements to it there's even some cg in this movie that i joked when we watched yeah. it was like oh this is very emo <laughs> yeah 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 but it it totally works within that context to me and you know it's evident in its box office receipts it made a lot of money and the, the same goes for the van helsings and the underworld movies and it's weird to me that you know underworld and van helsing they have their own you know underworld got so many sequels as well and you know kate beckinsale's an adored figure from those and uh you know even with um van helsing you know that has its own following now as well and it's just it's just wild to me that that the league of gentlemen you know sheerly through the fact that i think it a narrative developed so quickly around this movie you know the the fact that it has source material to live up to um connery's you know beef with norrington and the production troubles that they actually had you know even i feel like that's almost you get to a point where like the narrative just becomes impossible to escape and that influences other stuff and i and i hate looking at movies through this lens where i'm policing other people's opinions and how they formulated them because i totally think it's a just a take to say that this movie is bad you know legit I, I, i totally i totally see how people can say that um, but I do think it got to a point where a narrative developed so much that, you know, it just kind of became the accepted thing that this is considered one of the worst comic book movies of all time. And I don't 
think of it that way at all. There are absolutely worse ones that have come out in the last decade, you know, let alone in the early 2000s. Yeah, just passively consuming it when when we were on holiday and it was on uh, in the background, we were watching it, I was like, this is fine. I don't, what, have, I, have I missed like something really bad at the start or like near the end before we had to leave? Like, it, like, am I missing something here? This is perfectly just run of the mill adequate. Yeah, yeah. It's nonsensical, but ultimately completely harmless. Harmless is the word that I would use to describe this movie. Uh, it doesn't feel like it was, it, it, the amount of discourse that was devoted to it, you know, and I feel like, you know, critics love to, to savage a, a movie. You know, speaking as someone who, who has critical takes and likes to bonk a bad movie on the head if I see one, I totally get that. Uh, and, you know, given the, the heights of the comics achieved, and, you know, absolutely there is a way better adaptation you could do that source material than what we got here. And they are here. planning to do one on Hulu yeah, in the next few hopefully years. It'll, yes. Hopefully it'll be good. Um, but I feel like there is enough here for it to be, you know, considered a, you know an adequate film and i think like you know i gave it three stars in my review because in my mind that's like a six seven ish out of ten almost you know it's kind of in that bracket for me of like you know i hate the phrase leave your brain at the door because it's not really one of those there are some good intro if you really wanted to go deep with this you could you know the whole thing is that with Sawyer's character, he is the up. He is symbolizing like the up and coming superpower that is the United States, and yeah. you know, with Alan Quatermain, that's the British Empire slowly declining and fading away. Yeah. And you have that passing, weird passing of the torch moment in terms of cultural global hegemony going on at yeah. the end there. And when, so, and when he dies, yeah. he goes, "Let this next century." Yeah, be yours. you can totally go into it with that mindset if you want to. Um, but it is just better as like putting it in that early 2000s context of it being a fun supernatural action movie along the likes of your Blades, your Blade Twos, your Mummies, your Underworlds, your Van Helsings. Um, and this, and, and unlike Van Helsing, this one actually does have a good Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Yes, so, it, it, it yeah. does. There are, there are fun little tidbits in here that definitely make it worthwhile and definitely raise the movie higher. I feel like if it didn't have that, which is what I was expecting going into it, it would be as infamous as I feel people make it out to be. And, you know, from seeing like stuff on Letterboxd, people have come around to this movie or, or have always been a fan of this movie, you know. And that last third is rough like i'm not gonna lie like the cg just takes a massive nosedive and there's some really weird fight scenes and like choreographed moments yes um and as i said the villain reveal is just really weird and kind of pointless and out of nowhere but there's some fun little moments in here like as we said uh, jekyll and hyde is a really great character in this movie um mina is a fun little time i do quite enjoy the fight between her and dorian at the end where they're going to be at this all day <laughs> because they're both immortal and so they keep just hitting each other and like they keep immediately healing it's a great time you do get the very corny line of when he like thinks he stabs her in the heart and goes oh looks like i got to nail you one last time <laughs> yeah 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 totally um and there are legitimate elements of craft here i think we touched on it earlier on the production and costume design like nemo's ship looks great the nautilus looks you know this, there are some cgi moments where it's not there but his car his i call it an automobile <laughs> <laughs> like that's cool i love the steampunk weaponry they go for like um the the all of nemo's crew carry like 
silver alloyed Sten guns, which are made in like you know the 1940s or whatever. At the end, cool, he's like, wielding a cool steampunk like semi-automatic pistol. They've got these cool like diving suits. Yes, that are, like, yeah. Uh, kind of almost inspired by like um, like Indian architecture. It feels like, like, this, like silver. Yeah. Like it's really beautiful. Some of, some of the stuff they they do with it. Yeah, totally. It's um, and and I feel like everyone here has a recognizable outfit that that really speaks to their character. And you know whether that's Mina's sexy sexy corset leatherwear or uh, or whether that's you know Alan Quartermain's safari outfit yeah and I just said that Invisible Man I think he has a really strong look I yeah. think he has a cool look too um, not when he's barbecued though not when he's bar- looks like I shouldn't play playing with matches anymore yeah. <laughs> Yeah, there's just so much, like, good little moments in here. And I think with a stronger script and a, and a better plot, you could have something really fun with this, definitely. That could have become a bigger thing, which, at the end, they try and hint to it when uh, they allude to how Africa won't Africa let, wouldn't let him die. Quartermain die and a witch doctor seemingly brings him back to life. Um, it would have been cooler if his hand reached out the grave to grab the gun. That would be pretty metal. I would that would have, have been a much that. cooler visual. But I imagine at that point, Sean was just like, um, get me out of this. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's funny as well because like, you know, he turned down both the Lord of the Rings and the Matrix. Uh, so what was he, he offered for the Matrix? Uh, the Architect. Ooh, um, but, interesting. But for this, you know, well, obviously for Lord of the Rings, he was he was offered Gandalf. Mm. Um, so he, he was like, well, I'm not going to let two big franchises pass me by. You know, there's only so many paydays that got left in me, I guess. So he chose this one. And it's a shame because, like, you know, you can see a little bit of Lord of the Rings, the influence going on. You know when you, they, they go into the factory and they have the sweeping images? It kind of reminds me of the bit in the Two Towers where oh, they're yes, looking at very... the, the factories and yeah. stuff and, like, the orcs and stuff yeah. in Isengard. Um, but, yeah, no, it's, it's just one of those where I feel like the level of, of, of Venom it was it was attributed um, at release just, just wasn't worth it. And I feel like, you know, we mentioned the reappraisal that it's been getting recently. Um, I always kind of kept this movie to myself as like a <laughs> mm, sweet child. I love you. No and, one must know. <laughs> yeah. And there was a really good article that was published on Polygon, I think two years ago, um, during the height of COVID where the author revisited it and was like, I've always really liked this movie. And then people hated it. And you know what? I rewatched it. I still really like this movie. And, um, it's fun. There's also a guy on Letterboxd I follow, Matt Lynch, who always seems to share my takes on movies. <laughs> uh, and he, he kind of, you know, he really kind of summed it up for me where it's, it's just kind of like, you know, yeah, there definitely could be, you know, better stuff here, but there's lots of charm. And ultimately I don't think it deserved, like people had, I don't, I don't, I can't, watching this, I just can't understand why people had their entire careers ended over it. Like, there's no reason why this movie should have been the death note that it was for Norrington, especially after doing Blade, um, which, you know, is in itself also a flawed movie, I will say, even though Blade is great, I think Blade 2 is better. Um, but it's just it's just a shame, like, because it has a lot of unique charm to it. And that's the other thing as well, like, even though it, it's not the whole package, it is more unique than a lot of blockbusters we get today in terms of visual identity um, and charm. And what a cool concept. Yeah, exactly. That I feel in some parts is executed quite well. Yeah, totally. Um, but yeah, I think I think that's basically all we have to say about yeah. it. It's a bit of a short but sweet episode this week as we gear up for uh, the season of Spook. Spook. 
Uh, we've got a lot of cool stuff planned. Um, I don't know what our first one is going to be on. We want, we're looking for um, kind of horror adjacent e kind of dad movie stuff. Not even horror adjacent, you know, horror movies that fit into that dad movie bracket. So we will definitely be doing Aliens. Um, I put out a poll on the Patreon, which you should go check out. Patreon.com forward slash we love dad movies. For different suggestions on there, I put Cape Fear on, which got a few votes, uh, which I've been <laughs> dying to show you for a while. Um, I think I want to show you Jaws as well, because you've never yes, seen Jaws. Yeah. Um, but there's also other stuff like, like you know, action horror stuff. Like, uh, I mean, League fits into that bracket quite well, but you also have, you know, your Blades, your Blade 2s, your um, From Dusk Till Dawns. Mm. Um, so if you have a horror movie shout that you feel fits that dad movie bracket, please let us know. You can do that either by reaching out on Twitter at twitter.com forward slash wheel of dad movies, or you can reach out to me on Twitter at you and Bruins things. I would love to hear your thoughts on those spooky, uh, horror movies that really get you going. Um, the other thing, Patreon. Yes. Uh, I released a new mini essay on the Patreon this week on Big Trouble in Little China, or that last week, actually, by the time this goes out, and all about why I love that movie. We will do a full episode for that eventually, but because it's, like, one of, if not my favourite movie ever, I would like to, you know, get... I, I basically had a period earlier in this year where I watched it three times in a row, and I just kind of need to let it let it marinate for a little bit, and then we'll come back and do it at a later date, um, because I do love that movie. But yeah, you should go check out that essay. We have three different tiers for you to um, check out Patreon on, uh, if you want to, including the not-quite-$5-shake uh, tier, the Clemenza special, and uh, what's the other tier? The, the basic tier, the most, the most essential tier. Either way, all of them give you access to um, my writings, which IMO aren't that bad <laughs> um but yeah um i want to say a thank you to our three patrons as well thank you tom small guru shaka and josh brown your support means a lot to me uh and yeah we will see you next time goodbye, goodbye. that was an awful shonery shonery yep shonery boop 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 shutting down <laughs> i love shonery's movies <laughs>